1 through 4. Hymn 50, 1 through 4. Congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ. The words of our text took place very shortly before the Lord Jesus gave his life on the cross. Our Savior had entered Jerusalem for the last time. He was celebrating the Passover with his disciples for the last time. And he spoke words to his disciples, parting words. You could almost say that the words which our Savior spoke at this occasion were his last will and testament. These words were the things that our Savior wanted to bind on the hearts of his disciples. He wanted these things to be riveted in their minds. Our text is part of a series of chapters in which the Lord Jesus is with his disciples for the last time before his death. That starts in John chapter 13. And it runs through to chapter 17. Very moving chapters. Read them through once in one sitting. Moving chapters. And in chapter 15, the Lord says to his disciples in the words of our text, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. You could almost say, brothers and sisters, that just before our Savior's death, he had gathered his disciples together, he was with them on this occasion, and he told them how he wanted them to live after he was gone. He would die. He would be raised to life. He would ascend into heaven. And he would be gone. But what they had to remember as they interacted together as his disciples was that his commandment was this. That they love one another as he had loved them. Don't think, brothers and sisters, that these words of our Savior to his disciples in our text were only meant for them. These words were intended for the universal church of Jesus Christ as it was gathered there in his disciples, the nucleus of the Christian church. And the Lord Jesus says to us today too in our text, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. So that's what I'm preaching to you about this morning. I proclaim God's word to you about loving each other as Christ has loved us. 
about this love, we'll know three things. First of all, its character. Secondly, its source. And thirdly, its imperative. Loving one another as Christ has loved us. About this love, we know three things. First of all, its character. Secondly, its source. And thirdly, its imperative. Indeed, brothers and sisters, the Lord Jesus makes a comparison. He says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. That tells us that the character of this love that the Lord Jesus wants us to have for one another in the communion of saints, in the church, in the assembly of the redeemed, among those for whom he died on the cross, is such that it is of the same character as his love for us. In other words... The love that we are to have for one another in the communion of saints, the love that we are to have for one another in the church of Jesus Christ is patterned after the love which Christ had for us. Now what is the character of that love? How would we describe it? How would we define it? Well, brothers and sisters, the Lord Jesus did not only speak about this love in his parting words to his disciples just before his death, but the Lord Jesus also showed it. The Lord Jesus gave them a demonstration. The Lord Jesus gave them an example at that very last occasion that they were together with him just before his death, at the last Passover, the last supper, the Lord Jesus demonstrated what he meant. He did not leave them without an example. Because during that last Passover, the Lord Jesus suddenly got up, took a towel, and started to wash the feet of his disciples. Now you think about that for a moment. There was the Lord Jesus, their master, their Lord, the one whom they looked up to. And he got up and started to wash their dirty feet. And don't think, brothers and sisters, that their feet were clean like your feet are this morning. You probably all took a shower this morning or maybe last night. And you came here with clean feet. But those disciples, as they were sitting there wearing their sandals, having walked over the dusty roads of Jerusalem, were sitting there with dirty feet. And the Lord Jesus got up and started to scrub their feet clean. And Peter reacted to that. He was always the one to react. He said, no, 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 no. That's not appropriate for you, Lord. 
You're our master. But the Lord Jesus responded to Peter by saying, in chapter 13, 14 and 15, If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. The Lord Jesus took upon himself a task which was normally reserved for a servant, someone in a lowly position, but he, the master, took that task upon himself and proceeded to wash the dirty feet of his disciples. And then he explained to them, because Peter had objected, he explained to them, if I do this, if I, your Lord and teacher, then you also ought to wash one another's feet because I have given you an example. You see, and that's what the Lord Jesus is referring back to in our text when he says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. The Lord Jesus showed them what love is when he got up and started to wash their feet. The Lord Jesus made very clear by that action that he had not come into this world to be served. He had not come into this world to seek his own glory, but he had come into this world to serve. In fact, the Lord Jesus had all the glory he could possibly want at the Father's right hand before he came down to this earth. He had been bathed in heavenly light. He had shared in the glory of the Father. But he had left it all behind. He had emptied himself, as Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2. He had emptied himself, and he took upon himself the form of a servant. And he entered this world to be obedient even unto death on a cross. That's what the Lord Jesus was demonstrating to his disciples. Our Savior had said as much earlier in his ministry, as recorded in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 20, verse 28, where our Savior says, The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He came not to be served, but to serve, even to the point of laying down his life. And you see, brothers and sisters, that's where it was heading. This was the last time the Lord Jesus was together with his disciples, just before his arrest, and he was heading toward the cross. That's why our Savior says, just after our text, chapter 15, verse 13, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. That's exactly what the Lord Jesus was going to do. 
that would be the supreme example of love. Our Savior had already alluded to it in chapter 13 at the occasion of the foot washing when Peter objected and said to Christ, you shall never wash my feet. Then the Lord Jesus answered in chapter 13, verse 8, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. In other words, the Lord Jesus was alluding to the fact that Peter needed to be cleansed from his sins and that he was heading toward the cross to make that possible. And just after our text, the Lord Jesus spoke candidly about the cross. Well, brothers and sisters, our Savior went the way of the cross and that tells us about the character of this love that he is speaking about in our text. It's not a self-serving activity. It's an unselfish activity. The Lord Jesus came to serve. He washed the feet of his disciples and he was going to go to the cross. It's about self-sacrificial love. It's about giving oneself for the benefit of others. That's exactly what the Lord Jesus had come into this world to do. He was going to sacrifice himself. He was going to give himself for the benefit of others. And the Lord Jesus says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Now, we should not take that for granted, brothers and sisters, that our Savior went the way of the cross for us. We need to think about that. We need to pause here for a moment because we read so easily over this text. But what is the Lord Jesus really saying here when he speaks about this love and alludes to the character of this love? What was the character of his love for us? We need to reflect for a moment on what we are by nature. By nature, we are despicable. We are sinners. We are not so lovely. And we do not love God. We are wretched sinners by nature. In fact, the Apostle Paul makes that very clear in his letter to the Romans. Chapter 5, verse 8, where he speaks about us as sinners. He says, But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God shows his love for us, brothers and sisters, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that speaks volumes to us this morning about the character of the love that the Lord Jesus is speaking about in our text. We were sinners. 
We were ugly people. We deserved God's condemnation. There was nothing nice about us at all. In fact, we were enemies of God. Paul goes on to say that in chapter 5, verse 10. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. We were enemies. We were haters of God. God had created this world so beautiful in the beginning. He had put us in paradise. He had given us a mandate. He had called us into fellowship with Him. He wanted to walk with us. He wanted us to serve Him. But we chose to rebel. We went our own way. We fell in love with the devil instead. And we became haters of God by nature. But the Lord Jesus came into this world and he sought wretched sinners. This is the amazing thing of what Christ is saying in our text. It's an amazing thought. The Lord Jesus came into this world to save wretched sinners. That was also the character of God's love in the beginning. Right after the fall into sin. When Adam ran from God, then God called out after Adam and said, Where are you? Where are you? You hear in that the call of God's love. And then God sent His Son. And the Son willingly came in love, seeking us. And as the Lord Jesus was walking through the Holy Land when He was on this earth, the Lord Jesus was seeking the fallen. The Lord Jesus was seeking wretched sinners. He comforted them. He healed them. He forgave them. He sought them in His love. And this is something which defies our natural understanding. This is God's incomprehensible love. This is that which does not arise in human hearts. That's the character of the love of which the Lord Jesus is speaking in our text. And the Lord Jesus, in love, set his face toward Jerusalem. And entered the city for the last time in order to offer himself as a supreme sacrifice for our sins. That was self-sacrificial love. It was the love that gives oneself for the other. And now Christ says to us, as we are gathered here this morning... Listening to what he has done for us. Listening to what he has done for you personally as a believer. And what he has done for me personally as a believer. And he says in our text, this is my commandment. That you love one another as I have loved you. And then we begin to understand what the Lord Jesus means. The Lord Jesus is not talking about a feeling. The feeling is important, but the Lord Jesus is not only speaking about the feeling. 
He's not speaking about a warm feeling in your heart. The Lord Jesus is speaking about deeds. Love is more than a feeling. Love is a deed. And the Lord Jesus is referring to that self-sacrificial love, that love which does not serve itself, but which serves the other. The Lord Jesus is talking about that love which puts the other ahead of yourself. The Lord Jesus is talking about that love which doesn't seek your own interests, your own likes and dislikes, but that love which, which has in mind the benefit of the other. The Lord Jesus means that we seek out one another in love, that we seek out the person that might need us. That's what the Lord Jesus is talking about in our text. It's that love which means that you give yourself to one another in love because the Lord Jesus gave himself for you in love. And we need to remember then also for whom the Lord Jesus gave himself in love. Sinners. Unkind people. Fallen people. Unlikable people. That's what we were by nature. And now the Lord Jesus says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. That means... We don't just show this love to the likable, the friendly, and the easy to get along with people in the church, but it means that we also show this love to the unkind and the unfriendly and the difficult to get along with people in the church. Love one another as I have loved you, says the Lord Jesus. And why? Well, brothers and sisters, because that's what we're called to do when we're grafted into Christ by true faith. The redeeming work of Jesus Christ bears fruit. It's part of the fruit of being in Christ by grace through faith. And it's a matter of thankfulness. Recipients of Christ's love must also reflect Christ's love to others. It's inconsistent, brothers and sisters, if we are more than willing to receive the love of Christ and find joy in the forgiveness of our sins and not be willing to extend that same love to others in the church. That's inconsistent. Recipients of the love of Christ must reflect that same love to others in the church. Here's a quotation that I read, one that captures it well in my opinion. This one. Our realization of the love of God and the love of the Lord Jesus Christ is to be measured by the extent to which we are manifesting this love in our lives. In other words, if we understand what the Lord Jesus did for us, wretched sinners, 
by laying aside his glory in heaven and coming into this world and giving himself with self-sacrificial love, then that also needs to be reflected in how we deal with one another in the church. If we understand what Christ's love means for us and does for us, then that will also be reflected in how we relate to one another in the church. Our realization, to say that once more, our realization of the love of God and the love of the Lord Jesus Christ is to be measured by the extent to which we are manifesting this love in our lives. It's about knowing Christ in faith. By grace through faith. And how do we do this? How do we produce this love? What does it take? What's the source? Well, the source is the power of Christ. Christ is the source. Because, brothers and sisters, we do not produce this kind of love of ourselves. This does not just grow on us. We don't just wake up one morning and suddenly this all happens on its own. Sinful people, people who by nature are sinful, are not inclined to show this self-sacrificial love. People who are sinful by nature are not inclined to put others ahead of themselves. People who are sinful by nature are not inclined to consider the well-being of others over their own self-interests. It won't come from us. but it does come from Christ. Because when we are grafted into Christ by grace through faith, brothers and sisters, we can begin to show this love. We can. And we do. We do. If you know the love of the Lord Jesus for you and you have embraced the Lord Jesus in faith then there will be fruit. When we are grafted into Christ by grace through faith there will be the fruit of faith. Then we will live out of Christ and this love of which Christ speaks in our text will be evident in our lives. We will begin imperfectly, but we will begin to show this love. That's why it's important to remember that in the passage that we read this morning, the Lord Jesus speaks about himself as the vine, and he speaks about us as the branches grafted into him. And he says that the branches bear fruit because they are grafted into him. And so we hear our Savior saying in in the verses 4 and 5 of chapter 15, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. The source 
of this love is Christ. When we are grafted into him by grace through faith, we produce fruit. And the Lord Jesus has even given us his spirit. Our Savior conquered sin and Satan by his death and resurrection. And our Savior set us on a new path. We can begin to walk in newness of life. And when our Savior ascended into heaven, he poured out the Holy Spirit into the hearts of believers by whose power we seek the things above. The Holy Spirit gives us that faith and the Holy Spirit renews us after the image of Christ. It's remarkable, brothers and sisters, that in these parting words of our Savior to his disciples just before his death, John 13 through 17, our Savior speaks much of the coming Holy Spirit. And it's precisely in the power of Christ's Spirit that this love becomes evident in our lives. We can, in Christ, produce this love. And it's not an option. Because our Savior also speaks of its imperative. This is my commandment. My commandment. That you love one another as I have loved you. It's not optional. It's a command. Because, brothers and sisters, the Lord Jesus made it possible. And when we are grafted into Christ by faith, we must produce fruit. The Lord Jesus made it possible. And therefore, we must. And so this text comes to us this morning with an imperative. And it shows us. The love of Christ for us in all its glory. But then it also shows us the tremendous calling that we have in Christ to reflect his love in the church to one another. Christ commands us to love one another as he has loved us with that self-sacrificial love, that love which is about giving oneself for others. Let's work at that in the power of the Spirit. Amen.